0: Okay, so those who weren't here last Sunday, hold fast to the fact that God is good. Don't let go of that truth, especially this morning. Hold very fast to that truth this morning, because the topic this morning, we're going to have to have a theology and a handle on the goodness of God. There are some topics that polarize people. And there's some no-go areas that when you sit around the dinner table and sometimes in church as well, and you find the, the topic of finance polarizes people. <laughs> the topic of politics polarizes people. The topic of hell polarizes people. And you want to empty a church quickly? Speak about hell. Please don't go anywhere. Stay. Okay? <laughs> Hear what the Lord has to say. This morning, that's what we're talking about today. Is we're going to cover this topic of hell. And the word hell is found sort of a space. That's <laughs> some honest folk here this morning. You know when that taxi cuts in front of you <laughs> and just stops in the middle of the road and you say, what the? <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> And we throw that phrase around quite often, go to hell, what the hell, when we're angry or we're surprised or frustrated. And it's probably used in our country thousands and thousands and thousands of times a day. We're going to look this morning at what the Bible says about the topic of hell. And so in this context of hell, I'm going to, this morning, from the Word, try to answer a question that most people ask. If God is good which he is, why would he allow people to go to hell? You might have encountered sometime in your life a radical evangelist, the turn or burn type of preacher. I'm not knocking them. There is place for that. And I'm not going to diss those preachers this morning, but they seem to focus more on hell than they do on the love of God. Reality is hell is a place we need to be aware of. It is the devil's goal. His mission in life is to try and convince people that it's not a real place. True? that's why the Bible would refer to the devil as a deceiver. And if we don't take seriously the fact that hell is a real place, And we have a theology that it's a place that unrepentant sinners go to. We will live how we want. And the devil's got a hold of us. True? We live like that. Then we we live our lives justifying always that sin is okay. And if we live like that, then we reject Christianity. And we actually reject Jesus, don't we? It's amazing. That the most loving person who ever lived. Jesus Christ spoke about hell the most. The most loving person who ever lived spoke about hell the most. Why would he speak about this topic? Because he doesn't want anyone to go there. Matthew chapter 5 verse 30. We see something of the heart of Jesus revealed. and And he speaks about hell in this moment. And he says, if your hand... Even your stronger hand causes you to sin. Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Heart of Jesus revealed. Loving heart of Christ revealed to us. And so Jesus uses this word hell in the context of where it's translated from the Greek word. And I hope I'm going to pronounce it properly. Gehenna. So it's an actual physical place, not just the place that the Bible mentions. There's a physical place called Chahenna, and I'm going to ask you to put a picture up for me and direct your attention to this picture. It's a real place. It's actually a place called the Valley of Ben Hinnom. Hinnom. So in the Old Testament, there's a reference to this valley. Two Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verses one to four. Ahaz, he was our wicked dude, bad king. was 20 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel. He cast metal images for the worship of Baal, he offered sacrifices. In the valley of Ben This is the place that Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 5, verse 30. Even sacrificing his own sons in the fire. In this way, he followed the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He offered sacrifices. He burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. Let's have a look at that picture again. Physical place, valley of Ben-Haman. The place that is referred to by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verse 30. Now if you look carefully and closely at that picture, you will see it's desolate. It's actually a dumping ground. The very place where this king offered children, his own children, as a sacrifice, is a dumping ground. Ever been to a dumping ground? That garbage dump just seems to burn all the time, doesn't it? Fire is never put out there. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 33. Another reference to the valley of ben himmon There's a place called Top, Top, Top-F, I think it's pronounced. If I get that wrong, I've got Shelly's teeth in. <laughs> She's preaching next week, so she can get her own back on me. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 30, verse 33 Valley of Ben Hammond, top of the place of burning. Picture up again, please. The place of burning has long been ready for the Assyrian king. The pyre is piled high with wood. The breath of the Lord, like fire from a volcano, will set it ablaze. This place, Ben-Himmon, the valley of Ben-Himmon, this topeth, this place called hell, is illustrated in the Eastern Bible Dictionary like this. Here the dead bodies of animals and of criminals and all kinds of filth were cast. And consumed by fire. Always kept burning. It is thus in the process of time. Become the image of the place of everlasting destruction. In this place the dumping ground of the city. That Jesus uses to illuminate the picture of hell. It's a grim picture friends. Just Imagine. Living in the days of King Ahaz, the sight and the smell of burning corpses. Jesus says, I don't want anyone to go there. I love you too much for you to go there. This is the picture that Jesus presents when he speaks about hell. There is no beauty. There is no joy. There is no peace. There is no laughter in that place. Cut off. Cut off from everything that is there. Barren. Desolate. Cut off, it seems, from the rest of the city. That's what happens in hell, you cut off from the presence of God. So you might ask this morning, as that grim backdrop is presented, why does hell exist? Well, I'm glad you ask, because the Bible gives us the answer to that. Firstly, hell exists to punish Satan. I don't know what your theology is of God and the devil, but I want to say to you this morning God is greater than Satan. Can I say this morning, Satan is not a fantasy. You know the Hollywood, Disney caricature dressed in a red suit with pointy ears running around with a pitchfork? He is real. He is not a fantasy, friends. He is real. And He is the embodiment. He is the fullness of everything that is evil in our world today. He is behind every addiction. He is behind every abuse that would happen. He is behind all fear that exists. He is behind all pain and shame. His mission In life is to destroy people. No good thing. No good thing. No good thing accompanies him. He will steal our joy. He will cause havoc in marriages. He will rob the destiny of our children if we give him a foothold. Book of Revelation records John's visions. Just reading a portion of Scripture as we are worshiping, Revelation chapter 19, as we're singing that song about Jesus faithful. And John has this vision of the end times. The day when history will be wrapped up. And Jesus will rule forever and ever. And there's a picture he has of Jesus, a rider on a white horse, and his name is Faithful and True. Faithful and True. Can trust him. You can trust him, friends. That's the aside. But Revelation chapter 20, there's there's this, we don't have a long time to go into a whole theology. Uh, on eschatology, the study of end times. That's a preach all on its own. But John, who has a vision of that day when history is wrapped up and Jesus comes to rule and reign again in all power and authority, he gives us a picture when God exercises his judgment and final wrath against his greatest enemy who is our Church, greatest enemy, the devil. And this is what John sees in, his, in his, this revelation, this vision. Revelation 20, verse 10. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into a fiery lake of burning sulfur. Joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night Tormented day and night. Forever and ever. Please just hold that thought in mind. Devil's punishment. Tormented day and night. Forever and ever. Hell exists to punish the devil. And he will face his final judgment. Victorious God. Faithful and true. Defeats the devil. Secondly. And I major on this point a little bit this morning. Hell exists to righteously, underline righteously if you take your notes, punish evil. God exercises judgment on all those living in sin who have rejected His Son Jesus Christ as Savior. The devil, wouldn't we, been thrown into the lake of fire and say, that's fair. Amen? Come on, let's be honest. It's fair. I think it's fair. The deceiver who comes to steal, rob, and destroy gets his just punishment. It's fair. But we find this next verse a little bit more challenging for us because it affects not him. It affects us. <laughs> 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verses 7 to 9. When the Lord Jesus appears from heaven... He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. We battle a little bit with that verse, don't we? Our permissive culture, our culture is do what you want, how you want, whenever you want, battles with that verse. We would prefer that that truth didn't exist because that truth affects us and our destiny. We live, don't we, sometimes, that God, this verse tells me, no, he's serious. He's serious about dealing with sin. He holds us accountable for the decisions and the choices we make. Friends, let's not mess around. When we read verses like this, I hope it undoes our hearts. I hope it undoes our hearts and changes our behavior patterns. We realize in the moment that we serve our holy God who will not tolerate sin. You see, it's impossible for God to be holy and righteous without Him being just. His justice demands that sinners face wrath for their disobedience. Holy God is also a just God. As He's fair in tossing the devil into the lake of fire, so He'll be fair in judging unrepentant sinners for their behavior. And their just reward is the same. Bit of a heavy word. I eh? told you. Speak about hell. People want to leave the church. But I think it's important we get a handle on this. So we can align our. I did warn us. That this would not be a popular message. Craig Grishel says this. If we don't accept the reality of hell. We will never appreciate it. The depth of God's grace. If we don't accept the reality of hell, we will never appreciate the depth of God's grace. Jesus tells a parable again to underline this place called hell. Speak about it. Tells a parable about a voice from hell. And that's the title of the message this morning. Please turn to Luke chapter 16, verse 19. I hope my iPad's going to work. While you're turning there. Come on. Great. Okay. Jesus said, parable. Okay? It's a story. Jesus is telling a story to illustrate this picture that he gives us Matthew chapter 5. Verse 30, about hell. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. The man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and he was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. He went to that place, that picture that we saw. That place that Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 5 verse 30. He went to the place of the dead. Some translations say Hades. Same place as hell. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father, Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here, being comforted, and you are in anguish. Two pictures in a parable. Hell, heaven. And besides, verse 26, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Remember that. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least... If I can't come to you, he can't come to me, at least, please, send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them, so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them, your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no father, Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Let's stop there for a moment. A couple of things we learn from this parable. He uses a parable about the rich man and Lazarus to teach us about this place called hell. What do we learn from the story of the rich man? Well, firstly, the rich man, this ruler, was fully conscious and aware of where he was. Verse 24. Not dead, not knowing. He understood. He knew. He was conscious. He experienced the anguish and the torment of that place. The rich man shouted, have some pity. Have some pity. Please just send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. He had mental capacity in that place. He was able to reason. That's why you suffer when you go there. he experiences pain and suffering and in this moment he expresses his regret if only if only if only if only second point his eternity was irrevocably fixed once you're there you're there Verse 26, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here. And no one can cross over to us from there. In other words, once you're there, there's no second chance. What are we doing with this moment we have today in terms of making a decision? Third point, he knew that he's suffering was justified. I find it so interesting. That he is in hell. Suffering great anguish. And you don't see him blaming God do you? Uh, never complains about injustice. He understood. Remember we started with. Full, in full capacity of your reasoning process. He knew why he was here. He understood why he was there. He was more concerned for his brothers. He knew that his suffering was justified. And he understands it was justified. Because his response is, please send someone to my brothers so that they don't end up here. Somebody go and tell them. He begged and he pleaded for someone to tell his brothers about Jesus. Maybe I can ask the music team to come up. Verse 27 and 28, the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. Friends, I believe as a church that we receive Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And our confession of Him was sincere and real. I believe we are saved from that place. But at the same time, I believe Christ, not only for your own life, but for someone else. What is our take from this parable? Hell is a real place that we cannot afford to not take seriously you don't want to go there it's a place of indescribable torment and suffering make a God decision make a God decision while you can when it comes to where we spend eternity there are no second chances I want to refer back to Matthew chapter 5 verse 30 when Jesus speaks about this place hell Gehenna don't want anyone to go there. Loving God loves people. Loving God loves people. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Deal with your sin radically. Lean into the grace of God displayed through His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, I learned with this. Verses 8 to 9, the Passion Translation. But Christ... Proved God's passionate love for us. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still so much more to say of His unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus we have heard the powerful declaration. We have heard through Jesus Christ the powerful declaration. A declaration that frees us from the entanglement of sin. The death that it brings. The spiritual death. The consequences of it. We are freed from it through the blood of Christ. It is a powerful declaration, not just a wishy-washy undiluted, it is powerful the Bible says, the blood of Christ is powerful he is just and able to forgive us our sins and to present us righteous in his sight, that is powerful powerful God, a loving God able through the blood of Christ to overcome the schemes and the deceitfulness, and the destruction of the devil. That's worth an amen. Amen. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful sight. And this is like the crescendo. This is an echo. Unceasing echo from heaven never stops never stops because Jesus proclaims this over every person who has ever lived, who is living today and who will live and because of the sacrifice of Jesus you will never experience the wrath of God please stand with me Lord Jesus this morning we've had but a brief glimpse A brief glimpse into this picture of the place that we are taught unrepentant sinners go to hell. But we've also been taught, as we hold that truth in tension, we hold even faster to the truth that you love all sinners, that you are a friend, Jesus, of sinners. You don't condone sin, you love sinners. You love us enough, Jesus, that You died upon the cross. Your very body, broken, bleeding, hung on the cross for us. Sacrifice. Your blood flowed. The cross ran red for us. Father God, Your love for us by placing Your Son upon the cross. And then You've proven that we might have victory over sin and death by raising Your Son from the dead. And so we trust in the power of the blood of Christ and we trust in the power of Your resurrection, Jesus, this morning. Power to save. And as we stand in Your presence and our hearts are convicted this morning, Not condemned. Convicted. That we would live lives honoring of the price that you paid. The grace that so freely flowed for those who will believe. Just in a moment, friends, I'm going to ask you just to keep your eyes closed. Private moment. In the presence of a holy God. Gracious King Loving Father Present Him your heart Our Bible tells me that repentance breaks the yoke freeze us and we've been dabbling in ungodly stuff whatever that may be and luck has been illustrated you think God's been winking at that he has not he's saying this morning I'm giving you an opportunity to deal with that thing Whatever it might be, as we say, sorry to him. The Bible says his blood washes clean, washes clean the shame and the guilt. Away, away, washed clean, able to stand righteous in His presence—the righteousness that He gives. Holy God, holy God, holy God, holy God, full of love, full of grace. Jesus proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us there is still much more for us to experience of his unfailing love for through the blood of Christ Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. If we bowed our knee before the throne of grace, confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can look forward to an eternal destiny, seated in heavenly places forever and ever and ever with our Savior Jesus. If you've never ever made that, dec- that declaration yourself. Jesus is Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you where you are just with every eye closed, head bowed, maybe to raise your hand. Say Jesus I need you this morning. Anyone. If it's a first time commitment Father, you see these hands raised. See these hearts open to you this morning. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus. Maybe we can all do that. Lord Jesus, confess sinners saved by grace. This morning we acknowledge our need. For you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior, take control of our lives. Lead us in truth by the power of your Word and your Holy Spirit. Thank you. And when we confess you, the Lord and Savior, when we confess of our sin that you are just from the bond of sin. Thank you that we stand in your presence this morning, justified by grace. For those that raised their hands, I want to encourage you. Come and chat to me after it or one of the elders. We would love just to talk with you, connect with you, help you with the next step. Of this decision that you have made this morning. The Bible also says. When one sinner is saved. All of heaven rejoices. God loves to save sinners. (laughs) Let's worship him. And I hand over to Brad after.